This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is show number 81, which I, I can't believe that we've actually gotten to that those lofty heights I and mean, we're seeing we're seeing the magic hundred just uh right around the corner which is pretty exciting uh this is alex goff editor-in-chief of rugbymag.com welcoming you to the show number 81 uh pat clifton and bruce McLean are back on the show we had jackie finland last week and and bruce i have to say jackie's nicer to us than you are so uh, you know we're probably going to have her back on at some point jackie's also better looking than me but then again she's better looking than you two as well and uh yeah, she she I would expect her it's not really that difficult to be nicer to you than me. <laughs> that is true. The bar is set pretty low. And uh and uh Pat, we've got an awful lot of stuff going on. We're pretty excited about this show, but also uh stuff that's right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh obviously the huge announcement of the the new head coach. Um we're gonna talk a lot about that, talk some maybe some college D one A too. Um so yeah, it'll be a good show. And I will say but unlike Alex, I take one show at a time. I don't. I don't look ahead to further shows. I'm all about show 81 right now. Let's just win the show, this show, right. and that's it. Coming up later in the show, we will have USA Captain Todd Clever straight from Japan. But first of all, the big news that we wanted to talk about first of all, a new national team head coach, men's 15s coach, has been picked. It's Mike Tolkien, and. Really, that leading into this, there was an awful lot of talk, especially uh, I, I wrote something, uh, Pat wrote something, Ed Haggerty wrote things. We all were calling for the same thing, which was a head coach who understood how the American game was put together, who understood who the players were, who understood uh, the makeup of the system, who understood the pipeline, whether the pipeline's any good or not, who understood what it was, uh, and and somebody everybody respected. And that's what they picked. And they picked Mike Tolkien, who coached New York Athletic Club and Xavier High School. is a longtime friend of Bruce McLean, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But before we do that, we uh, I, I did get a chance to talk to, to Mike right after he was uh, uh, selected with the job. And here's a little chat with Mike Tolkien the new Eagles 15s head coach. Okay, well, we are here with new USA national team head coach, Mike Tolkien. And Mike, first of all, congratulations on the job. Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it's a case of uh, be careful what you wish for, but congratulations anyway. Thank you, Alex. Um, I'm, I'm definitely honored to have this position, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go after it aggressively. It's, uh, it's a position that I've wanted and, uh, you know, I uh, intend certainly to fully uh, pursue it to its best as results. Well, you, you, you're you a longtime coach in the USA. You've, you've been coaching at the high school and the Super League level at the same time, which uh, which is very interesting. Um, so so you're, you're, you understand, you know, what a lot of these players go through. Um, how important is that perspective uh, coming into this job? I think knowing the landscape of of what our players go through, um, our domestic players, uh, the sacrifices that they have to make coming into this, uh, needing a little bit of flexibility, but also at the same time demanding the most from them in the international uh, scene, that's important. Uh, and then dealing with the players who are overseas, you know, we have 
kind of two different animals on the uh, on the same team coming together for the same goal. So I think knowing the the difference in their approaches and attitudes and backgrounds uh, is important. And uh, I think knowing our domestic guys and where they came from and what they're dealing with in their current playing situation is important and how to mesh those two. What do you think about, well, let me start. You coach in the Super League, you coach at New York Athletic Club. Um, I I guarantee at some point there's going to be somebody starting – to say that uh, you have some bias towards some player or other because they have a connection, something like that. Um, h- how does your perspective change on Super League players specifically and, and really the quality of the Super League um, now that you're a national team coach? Well, obviously, um, you know, at some point in time in the uh, in a pretty near future, um, I'll have to step aside from my daily coaching responsibilities to the New York Athletic Club. Um, and you know that position will have to go to uh, someone that we that we name at a later date. Um, and I have a, a role with USA Rugby as the head men's coach, and that's my primary responsibility. In terms of people making those comments, well, it's something you can never help. Uh, you know, people are going to make comments, and you can't do anything about that. But I know myself as a fair person, and I think that people who know me well know me as a fair person. And my goal right now is to make the USA Eagles the best that I can. And those are the players I'm going to be going after, are the players who can perform and bring the Eagles to the next level. And so if it happens to be some NIAC guys, it happens to be NIAC guys. Uh, as long as I can go to sleep at night knowing that I've picked fairly and picked my best along with my coaching staff, then that's all I can do. I can't control how anyone feels about it. Well, the NIAC guys who've made the team have performed well, so um, there, there's one point there that uh, you know it, it's not like it suddenly happened out of the blue. Um, they've they've shown up and played well before, and uh, um, obviously you have a, a, a NIAC slash Xavier guy on the team right now who um, yeah. nobody would argue um, uh, is doesn't deserve to be there. Uh, the what about the Super League and the and the status of a, the Super League as a feeder for the national team? Is it is it adequate? Is it doing the job? Well, I think it you know it, it has because um, you know it's our highest domestic league, obviously, um, and a number of our players, you know, a, a third anywhere depending on the time, a number from a third to a half of our players come from there. So it obviously is a feeder. Um, is it adequate? It's uh, it's certainly been better in the last couple of years in terms of providing guys who are somewhat prepared to very well prepared. Um, make no mistake about it. You know, it's not going to compare to the premiership, uh, the super leagues of, uh, you know, France, the top leagues of France and, you know, the super league of the Southern hemisphere, you know, that's, that would be ridiculous to make that comparison. Um, but we can do our best in terms of domestic competition to uh, serve the purpose of preparing guys. I think as as the league condenses more and the competition becomes more concentrated, uh, I think we have better levels of play where, you know, for example, this year um, teams are playing home in a way. So, you know, a life NIAC, uh, a life Boston, a Golden Gate Utah will happen twice a year. And, you know, I'm not leaving any teams out, but those will happen twice a year. The league's more condensed. So hopefully that goes more into preparing our guys. 
Will you be scouting games in person on Super League in the college level, or um, you know, you can use tape. There's there's tape for everything. Or do you, do you see a value in going to games in person? No, definitely. I'll definitely be going to games. Uh, and to to back on on getting the job. First of all, what was the application process like for you? Um, well, for me, you know, it's something that I had done I'd done with before. Uh, I'd gone through it before a few years ago uh, when the job became open. So I was on it initially during that period, but not to the extent that I was this time. So, um, you know, I had some experience doing it. I know what I wanted to do better to present my case better. And, um, you know, it was, it was both an exciting time and, uh, you know, you know, you had some competition there. So, you know, you, you heard rumors and people who were involved. And so, you know, uh, for me, it was, it was exciting. I felt prepared to do it. I was prepared for the job, so I felt confident going into the process. Um, so, you know, that, that's why it was exciting. I knew I was, I was well prepared to go into it. Okay. In the final presentation, I know you were asked, all the candidates were asked uh, who, who their staff would be. Uh, have you settled on a staff or a potential staff? Uh, I have. Okay. Um, can you say who they are? Um, I can't name it at this point. Okay. Um, I'll be happy to give it to you as soon as it's finalized. After right. After I speak with Nigel on Tuesday and okay. things are finalized, I can give it. Okay. What was your uh, philosophy in picking your staff? Well, I wanted people who were passionate about American rugby. Uh, that was certainly a requirement, and shame, you know, they shared the same passion as I did. Um, I wanted people who had a good pedigree of rugby, who I thought were good rugby people, um, who were people that I knew would challenge me, and people that we could have real good discussions with, um, and people who knew the American landscape as well. So I, I think the people, and there certainly will be returning staff members, um, there'll be a couple of new people, but all of them are people who are passionate, who are good, experienced rugby people, uh, and people who know the American landscape well. So to challenge you, that means, or that, that implies strongly at least, that uh, uh, it, it's not Tolkien's way or the highway necessarily, um, that you you expect to have some kind of uh, debate at least behind closed doors about certain approaches. Definitely. I, I think it's um, I think it's been something that I've done throughout my coaching career is I've had guys who, who have had very good and sometimes outspoken opinions, um, but as long as they're knowledgeable and they're coming from a place that uh, I know has a good basis, uh, I think it's great. I think the, the rugby debate is great. I think it's something in any field that's great. Um, the one thing that we can't have, and, and I don't certainly don't expect it with the staff, is coaches telling players something in another direction. Uh, you know, private meetings that we're gonna, we really want to do this or do that. We all have to be on board, players, coaches, staff. So I think that's important. But uh, I think healthy debate is great, and I, I think I've always had really good staffs, um, no matter what level, who have who have done that. It's been enjoyable for me. Well, as as listeners know and readers know, one of your closest friends and your co. Co your your colleague coach is Bruce McLean, who's co-host of Rugby Matrix and has written for Rugby Mag. And and Bruce's uh, biggest uh, 
aspect of play that he advocates, of course, is 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 more work and and more dedication to the scrum, which is something that USA has often struggled in. Um, if if you didn't uh, if you didn't work harder on the scrum with the Eagles, uh, how difficult would it be to uh, have a beer with Bruce when you go back to New York? Um. Yeah, well, that's a that's a very good question. Um, he would have, I, I think, even if we did really well in the scrum, he would have a couple of points. To, to <laughs> so, I don't think that's a winning issue. But um, yeah, you know, the set piece is, is is something that we we really want to address and and make into one of our strong points. You know, I think um, Haji did a really good job with the lineout, and you know, uh, we we want to you know continue building on that and. We really want to turn this uh, this scrum thing around, and um, you know, for me, in part of my you know, presentation on where we want to go with this game, is we want to make America and the Eagles have a strong point in the set piece. You know, okay. really make that scrum something that we can be proud of. That when we get to the scrum scrum time, it's front rows holding their chins up, looking our opposition in the eye, and our backs feeling confident that we can get ball and do something with it. Okay. What about on the attack side? You were the you were the basically the defense coach for uh, the Eagles this past year. The defense was very strong. Attack not so much. The um, in the World Cup, uh, the USA had the fewest points scored of any team. Uh, uh, what are you looking for in a? Uh, I'm not even sure. Excuse me. I'm not even sure if you're getting a, a an attack coach per se, but what are you looking for uh, in terms of uh, what you want the Eagles to do with the ball in hand? Well, we will we will have an attack coach um, for sure, and with ball in hand, you're right about the World Cup production and points. It was very low, and I think if you don't count the Australia, well, you can count the Australia game. It was about eight points per game, which is not going to win a lot of right. games, and you know. Forget about World Cup. Um, talking about teams ranked around our uh, our level, you're not going to win many games. You know, it's just not going to happen. So what we need to do with ball in hand is we have to number one increase our tactical positioning skills. Uh, I think putting teams under pressure is what leads to points to begin with. So over the next few years, I really would like to improve our tactical kicking abilities, kicking out of hand, putting teams under pressure. Um, that goes also with goal-kicking abilities. Um, our kicking percentage was not that high, and we need to put points on the board again. When we put teams under pressure, they have, we have to come out with points. So the kicking game is something we have to improve on. In terms of playing, our, our productivity inside the oppositions, 22, what we call the green zone, has to improve. Um, I think we had a lot of opportunities in games, and we did not put points in, on the board. Um, so I want to focus on a uh, little change in strategy going into our green zone and our attacking zone, uh, maybe be a little bit more ambitious um, in what we do and uh, mix our game plan up a little bit. You have the players to be able to do that sort of thing. I mean, we, we, we did see flashes where something happened, whether it was, I mean, you, I, I think a, a great example would be Chris Wilde's try against Italy, where it was completely set up from a, a, a green zone line out and, and, and a, a, some good individual effort on Paul Emmerich's part and some good support running and all those little things happened. Um, or Mike Petri's uh, try um, against Russia, which was, which started, 
uh, from a lineout at midfield and, and involved virtually every player on the team. Those things happen, and, and I think you watch it and say, um, wow, that was great. Why don't we see it more? We only saw it once. Right. I, uh, there's no doubt we have players who can do that. Um, I think that uh, Paul Emmert uh, during the World Cup constantly made breaks and um, you know had opportunities into the backfield. And one time, you know, as you said, he offloaded to Wildey. It was a beautiful score. And I think Andrew Suniulo, uh teaming up with uh, I think it was Roland and yep. Petra. You know, great, great score and great bits. And we saw that in the Russia game uh, back in the Churchill Cup in England. Some really great line breaks. Blaine Scully was in there. Um, we have we have the capability. We have the athletes. I think everyone saw it in the World Cup that we have the athletes to do it. We just have to set up positions in which to do that, in which to make that happen. And that's going to be part of the, the game plan and the attack is how can we get our players, those players in position to be more aggressive and attack more. Okay, good. On, on the players, uh, you, you've got a lot of decisions to make there. Uh, obviously, you have a list of players who played last year and, and probably players who were close. Um, first of all, um, what's the status of the position of captain? Are you going to wait to get everybody together and see who you have, or are you going to make a decision before you get everyone together? Um, no, I'm not going to make a decision just yet. Um, Todd has done an excellent job, you know, as captain over the, uh, the past few years, and you know, this is a new a new cycle, new coach. Um, I've briefly spoken with Todd. But we, I'm not going to make a decision on that just yet. Uh, we have some time to go before our first match and our first camp. So um, I'm going to wait a little bit on that, and, uh, and then we'll address that. Uh, right now, I think, you know, just the important thing is, is to see who's available, who's retired, who we're looking at, and just kind of collect that pool of players, and then we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the issues like captaincy. What, about, what kind of pool of players are you looking at? How about how many players do you you think you you need to have in front of you to start? Well, I, I, ideally, I would like to have a pool of about 50 players that I can, can seriously can consider. Um, my hope is to build depth at the 9 and 10 position. Um, and those are aspects that are right out of the gate that I'm going to start addressing. So I want depth at 9 and 10. Uh, Obviously, the second, or depending on how you look at the first, is also our front rowers and building a good pool of front rowers uh, who we can turn into you know, a good depth again in that position. Um, and then in, in terms of the nines and tens, you know, and then the 15s kickers, you know, who are good tactical kickers, who has potential to do that, goal kickers. So going in, you know, my, my, I'd like to have a list of 50 um, and a good solid list and start building depth at the half-backs and the front row positions. Good. Um, you know, I, sorry, I'm just writing that down. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, okay, great. Um, what, what's, what's this, the schedule look like? I mean, we, we've got the, the, the test match schedule. Uh, there are going to be three test matches in June. You're going to have three test matches in, in November. What about the schedule leading up to June? Uh, well, we'll have to have a domestic camp uh, during that period. Um, I'm, I'm going to be working on with Tristan on that, uh, so that should be out within a, within two weeks. I'd, I'd like it to get done as soon as possible, but within two weeks, I would say 
Um, we'll have a date on that uh, domestic camp, and that'll probably be as it's been in the past, the three to four day camp um, during one of the off off dates of the Super League. And then after my meeting with Nigel, I'll determine in terms of budget what we can do to meet before the first Canada game. Okay, good. Um, is Are you looking at a four-year World Cup cycle? Are you looking at, um, you know, targeting something in the future, such as um, a new competition in 2013? Or are you just worried about winning next week? Well, you know, it's a good question, Alex, because, um, you know, obviously, you know, looking towards the next World Cup is important. But for me right now, it's filling in those holes of players who are retired or players who won't be returning to the squad and then qualifying for this World Cup. So for me, that's my first, that's my first goal. And, you know, it has to be. So, in a sense, it is starting the winning process, you know, as soon as possible. But knowing, you know, if we want to build depth at nines and tens and, and front rows, that we're going to have to blood some of these players that we think are up and coming. So it's going to be my approach is going to be a balance of, of blooding players who I see have talent for us. However, my first goal, and I think of utmost importance, is, is qualifying for this World Cup. And it would be great if we can if we can do it first up. Okay, good. The, the one one of the other things that comes up with the discussions about uh, you know how the national team is put together is is the issue of patriotism. Now, to give credit to Eddie O'Sullivan, despite you know he, he's an Irishman, but he was um, he he appeared at least to me to be very supportive of the uh, the patriotism within. Um, within the team, whereas some other coaches have been sometimes uncomfortable with it. Um, do, do you think, you know, I, well, I, well, I think back to, you know, when, when in 2003, the USA team won seven games, which is the, by far the most they'd ever won in a year. Uh, one of the things that team did was they used to sing America the Beautiful in the locker room before and after games. It's um, and not that I'm necessarily advocating that they do that again, but it was just one of those indications of, of something they would do together that was, you know, unselfconscious, um, and 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 spoke to something bigger than just their team, but who they were representing. So I guess uh, the question for you is: um, is that important? Is is being patriotic important? And and there's also a spillover into the question about where your players come from, and. Um, if you have a patriotic team, a team that, that's sort of aggressive about that, does that make it difficult for a player who has USA eligibility, but really he grew up somewhere, you know, in another country, and and is just coming in because he he qualifies for the U.S. Is it difficult to assimilate that some that player into that sort of culture? Well, uh, for for me, it's tremendously important. Um, I'm I'm a very patriotic person and passionate about my country. And I think playing or coaching your, for your country is the utmost. Uh, it's the greatest honor you can have in sports. And I take that seriously and passionately. And, um, you know, the, I thought Eddie did a tremendous job. Eddie was very much a promoter of patriotism on our team. And we, the, the guys did sing America the Beautiful after the game, you know, for, for all the games, which was great. And Eddie even, you know, 
would defer to the coaching staff, you know, and the Americans and, uh, you know, on some issues regarding that. And he was great. You know, he, 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 he's been here. He knew the game. He's, he was very passionate about America as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly going to be that way. Uh, in terms of our player selection, um, you know, the, the main thing is, you know, that having American-born players is very important and domestic players, or if they're playing overseas, uh, is very important, and I think we have the capability. Uh, however, um, my main goal is establishing a positive team culture. So if there is, a, say, a player from overseas who's American eligible and he comes to us and he fits in, he's passionate about playing for his country, um, then that, that's what will happen. He will play for his country if he has the talent and he has the approach and the patriotism. Um, if a player doesn't buy into what we do, then he's not part of the program. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't show it, and he won't be. And that's how we're going to operate. All right, good. Uh, and and on the field, I, th- I think you've touched on a lot of this, but you know, would it be fair to say that uh, a Mike Tolkien coach team is going to do, is going to get those set pieces down, is going to uh, try to play... Um, uh, I was going to say play, try to play a territorial game, but more try to put opposing teams under pressure territorially and also defensively. And then um, you're looking to adjust the attack to take advantage of the talent that you have. Would that be yeah. fair to say those things? It would be. I, I think would you know you, you hit it on the head. I think a, a my Tolkien team, coach team has always been aggressive. Um, have always been street fighters, you know, in the in the metaphorical sense that we're going to keep coming at you, you know. You're not this down, we're going to keep coming at you, we're going to be in your face. Um, on defense, on special teams, we, you know, we need to be more secure. Um, I think our teams, teams that I've coached with people have been sound on set piece, and that's something I really want to get right because I, I think it brings morale up on the team as well as obviously from the tactical standpoint, but, you know, Players feel good when their set piece is going right. Um, and it can be demoralizing to the opposition. Um, in terms of attack, I want to start it simple. There's going to be a little bit of a change from the normal pattern. So we're going to start simple, um, rely on athleticism, try to rely on field position when we can, um, and then build from that, from a good, simple, yet variant structure. I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, what what about your role over and above putting the Eagles on the team? Uh, do you see, uh, you know, you, you you say you're going to go to to games in person. Um, what what about what about your role and actually the USA team's role in terms of being out there for the fans, for the for the membership, for uh, other coaches and, and other athletes? But you know, I'll be out there and. You know, I, I really think that this team has so much potential and our, play, our American players have so much potential. Um, I've gotten a lot of great support from people around the country uh, that I respect and who have been part of the American rugby scene for a long time um, and who are supportive. And I know people want to be supportive. And what I saw during the World Cup was that I, I thought we really inspired a lot of rugby fans in America to believe that we can we can do better and we can be great and I believe it and my main goal 
you know, after trying to win games and get into the World Cup, is to really inspire America to move to the next level. You know, to, to really get a hold of this team and, and have a team that they can believe in and feel confident and enjoy watching and rooting for. And I think it's important for our players to do the same. And, I, you know, I know there are guys, you know, Louis Stanfield's, you know, back in New York here, he's been going out to coaching clinics and helping out college teams, and he's been great. And, you know, Mike Petrie, you know, has done that. And there were guys across, you know, when Louis was back in California, he was doing that up in Sacramento. You know, and I think that's really important, and they've enjoyed it. You know, they've really enjoyed doing that. And I know there are other guys who do that as well around the country. Paul Emmerich, you know, is getting out there as well now before he, uh, you know, before he left back to England. But they enjoy it, and the people really get a thrill. The kids get a thrill and the coaches, so that's important. Well, that's, that's perfect. Uh, Mike Tolkien, new Eagles 15s head coach, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot. Of course, Alex. Anytime. That was Mike Tolkien. We will be right back and talk a little bit more about this topic and this new Eagles head coach on Rugged Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. So we're back on Rugged Matrix America, and and guys, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody's really surprised with much of what uh, Tolkien said. Uh, we expected him to uh, look at the entirety of the team and start picking out things that he wanted to to change and adjust and improve, things like that. Um, one of the things that struck me was that he was really supportive of the Super League. He's 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 quitting his job, his position as head coach of the AC, and scouting teams directly he's going to go to games but he also talked about the super league in terms of its role imperfect as it is as a training ground for young players um and and pat you know you know i've been uh not always complimentary of the level of play in the super league but at the same time and as Tolkien said, the, the the league is actually contracting. It's it's now down to ten players. The the talent pool concentrates because of that. Um, the thing is, he knows what he sees. He's seen it before. It's he's not starting from complete str- scratch. And I guess so. If he has, yeah, that absolutely. Opinion, that's I, you know, I I was Tolkien was one of the guys that I wanted um, to get hired for this job. I wanted an American, and I wanted um, somebody who may come at a discount, which I thought would be an American. And another part of that is I thought somebody like him who'd been uh, around all the players and had been on the staff is going to hit the ground running knowing, you know, who his current players are and he knows the relationships and all those dynamics. And I think that's wonderful. Um, obviously any American coach is going to have to look at the super league heavily and rely on the super league for um, some player development and, and to, you know, pick out some good players. Uh, I think that you'd be a fool um, to look only at the super league and only at D one a, because I think that there are phenomenal athletes outside of D1A in college, and there are phenomenal athletes outside of uh, the Super League um, in, in the men's club uh, area. And you look at Wendell last year, I think that they um, you know, were probably a top five, top six team in the country, even though they weren't in the, the 11-team Super League. Um, and they had guys who um, you know, needed a look. But they're not the only people that have that. There are other players, you know, D1 teams around the country that are really good that need looks too. Um, so I, I, I think you got to start with the Super League, but I think that's got to be step one. Um, but yeah, Tolkien, 
great, great hire. I, I think he's going to be, uh, he, you know, him or Paul Keeler for me was a toss up. So I'm glad for him that he got the job. I think it's, it's good for USA rugby as a whole. Um, I, you know, we'll see what the numbers come out in terms of what he gets paid um, because we'd like to see some of that money sprinkled to other areas um, when, when that comes out. That'll be great. The, yeah, and, and I think the implication – Nigel Melville talked about this uh, basically, and, and I mean I know it's a little bit galling, but had they had they hired uh, an overseas coach, that coach probably would have done less work and been paid more money. Uh, Tolkien will be paid significantly less than Eddie O'Sullivan was, uh, certainly south of 200000 I would think, and, and, that's, and that spreads out money for other resources within the organization. Uh, um, the – the, the other thing that struck me in talking to Tolkien, of course, and it, again, it's not a surprise, when he starts talking about players, he, he has the names. Not only does he have the names, he knows their capabilities, and we're talking about players who are not even on the national team. He knows those guys. He's not going to spend three to six months, as you said, you know, he's going to hit the ground running. He's not going to spend three to six months just figuring out where the heck everything is. He um, will have yeah, – he's going to have a hard time. I mean, if he doesn't put Troy Hall on the team, will Bruce still talk to him? Um, so that's <laughs> yeah. one thing you have to consider. And I also, I tweeted this, uh, I feel bad for as, as good as I feel for the Eagles program. I feel bad for the guys on NIAC who are left that have to deal with Bruce and Bruce only. I can only imagine what kind of show that's going to turn into. Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit harsh. Bruce, Bruce, you've. You've known you've known uh, Mike Tolkien since high school, I and mean, I, I've known him a little bit less than that. Um, you know, M Mike is is known to be an articulate, intelligent guy. I think the, the the quote I got from one person is that he's very smart, very articulate, uh, very well respected, but also the kind of guy you can have a beer with. And and I think he's accessible. I think everybody respects what he's done um, within the game. I mean, I. I I think we we know that now that we he's going to be working on some aspects of play, uh, and and it's not surprising because you you'd be right there breathing over his shoulder. Got to get that scrum right. Uh, he he has a vision for the team for one thing. He has a. Uh, he has a history with a lot of the players. People might forget that he's also been on the uh, USA under 19 uh, coaching staff uh, several times. So he he coached. Todd Clever and Mike Petrie when they were 15, 16 years old. And Petrie, of course, he coached at Xavier High School anyway. But he he's coached some of these players for a long time. So he has a good history, a positive history with those guys. Bruce, tell us what we should know or maybe don't know about Mike. And tell, tell us what you know about Mike. Well, I mean, I've been friends with him for 30 years. So the I'll tell you one of the most interesting things is I got a call that morning when he was going to be announced. And he said, hey, man, I'm going to get announced at 1 o'clock. It was about 1130 at the time. He goes, just keep it under your hat. Okay, fair enough. Fast forward, we have Xavier practice that afternoon, and it didn't get announced. It must have got announced like at 230 or 215, and I'm on my way down. He's on his way down. And it was just business as usual, as everything always is. You don't let something that was, you know, some a big news or big anything kind of get your head going. It's just business as usual. We showed up and went to practice. By the time practice ended, me, not him, me, I had 23 voice messages and about 60 texts. He had over 100 texts and God knows how many voice messages. This thing was probably, probably couldn't be filled. 
And we had practice with the Xavier kids. And during practice, we announced it. And then we just went right back to practice. And then he, Petrie, and I went out for a uh, in-between practice. We went out to have coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. And then we went to AC practice. Had AC practice and didn't mention it until the end of practice. And and that's kind of how it is. And that's kind of the way Mike is. It, it's just a matter of you do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, as well as you possibly can, and you do it that way every time. And I think that that's what he wants to make the culture of the Eagles. That winning is not going to be an every assembly thing or an every year thing or an every four-year thing. It's going to be an everyday thing. And that one of the reasons that I think that he was the best choice was that he'll be able to work with the other coaches throughout the country because he's not going to be able to do this by himself. If, if he needs to develop seven or eight or ten fly halves, just because of the logistics of the country, no one person is going to be able to go around and work with those people and give them the appropriate amount of time to help them develop into a first class or an international fly half. There's going to need to be a relationship with various coaches throughout the country who can be given the tools to help those players to become what the Eagle team needs them to be. And you don't just show up in, in, in June and say, hey, you're playing fly half. That kind of starts as soon as he gets the ball rolling. And he could work with different guys on their kicking skills and possibly their passing skills off both hands, possibly their skills reading the game possibly their goal kicking skills or kicking off or, or, or working within the team concept. And I think that's where he's going to add the biggest value is that he's not going to have a coaching staff of just the Eagle coaching staff. There's going to be a coaching staff of people that, that get leaned on throughout the country at the various levels at the schoolboy level. Is there a promising young player? Okay. Well, what can be done with that promising young player to help, accelerate his learning curve at the college level what can be done to help accelerate that player into an all-american position or territorial position if it ever comes back and what can be done to accelerate super league players into various different positions and that all being said that's not only to develop the national team that's to develop the super league if the super league has 10 teams that take scrummaging seriously, then the USA scrum will get better. If the USA has an entirety of collegiate division one and super league rugby and high school rugby taking defense seriously, then we're likely to have a better defense internationally. If we take development of our nines and tens seriously, then we're likely to have enough nines and tens to be able to compete internationally. So it becomes an effort, more like a Kiwi effort. Almost everything for the Kiwis, I want to be an all-black, I want to be an all-black. And I'll do everything I can to become an all-black and within the concept of being a great team. And and I think that's been his feeling, is that it's not a one-man shop. It's not something that can be done by one person. It's something that's going to be done by a team of people working together possibly, you know, up to 60, 100 coaches, maybe more, 
at different levels to be able to integrate the team culture of doing what has to be done when it has to be done the best way you're capable of doing it every single time. That brings in ownership, right? That brings in ownership uh, of the team, the national team throughout the country, which is something we've struggled with. And I think that that's really what he wants to bring forth in the team as far as a culture is that it's it is an ownership of the team by the country it is going to be special caps are going to be something that you earn that players are going to be expected to behave in certain ways players are going to be expected to perform in certain ways players are going to be expected to have a certain mentality and they're going to be expected to have a positive attitude and a can-do attitude. And one of the things with the ACs, a couple little things that we do, there are no excuses. If somebody makes a mistake, we go to the next job. We are where we can't change the past. We can't change the future, but we can change the present. And by changing the present, the future tends to work out. 95% of pressure and stress and performance anxiety in sports comes from the fact that you didn't prepare properly when, and you know it. And then you're trying to force the issue and do things that you're not prepared to do. And I think that that's where he wants to make the biggest change. Is that they're going to be prepared and they're going to be confident in their preparation so that they're going to be able to play looser and know that they can execute on things that perhaps they didn't believe they could execute on in the past. Well, there's also there's a the the other side of the coin on no excuses is to not punish every error because a player made a decision. He said, you know, if a player sees a situation, he makes a decision, and sometimes it doesn't work out. He has to believe that it's not going to be the end of his career. One of the things you can look at, especially from his perspective, is he always he he has he. He's very influenced by Australian rugby in the uh, in the 1990s and, and early 2000s. He's also very influenced by Carwin James of the uh, 1971 Lions fame. And and when he went for the interview for the Eagle job uh, a day or two before he left, or you know whenever it was when he when he was supposed to have his phone interview, it was I had uh, I had given him. The book, the hardcover book, The Lions Speak, and it was about all the lions in 1971, and I just said, hey, I had this for a while, and I meant to give it to you last Christmas, and I never got around to it, and uh, I just want to give it to you now because this was a guy that I know between the the Wallabies, Carwin James, and and Jim Greenwood in total rugby. I, I can remember countless discussions with Mike about all the things and all those books that we read so many times and we would just discuss how could we make our teams be like this and and one of the things that mike believes is that great players are willing to have a go if a great player sees an opening you have to attack the opening you have to take a chance if you think that you can do it you have to go for it and so there is no punishment in there is no, hey, he took a chance and now his international career is over. If, if the opportunity arises itself, it's actually worse not to take it 
if you want to hear wrath, that's when you're going to hear wrath is playing it safe. And if you know that you have, that it's okay to have a go, then your approach in the next, in the next time that you try is going to be more confident because you know it's okay to have a go. The the thing is that uh, you know that's a that's actually a, a big cultural change to get it to the point where players are going to be comfortable taking a chance. And for those of you who are perhaps a little bit too young or not students of rugby history, 1971 British Lions went to New Zealand and uh, surprised a lot of people by winning the series. The interesting thing about that, and it speaks to what you're talking about, they won the series two one and one. Uh, and they tied the last game to clinch the series, and they tied the game on a 50-meter drop goal by J.P.R. Williams. So there's a, an example of a player taking a chance, a, a player who didn't kick too many drop goals, the uh, kicking one from 50 meters out uh, to tie the game and clinch the series. So um, to have a, a national team, a, a group of players who feel free to express themselves as rugby players – and to not be frustrated to know that you've you've uh, put on uh, you know, put on the squad some really exciting players and then handcuffed them by not allowing them to take chances. You know, to, to get out of that and, and to get to a freer rugby society, I think is great. When you look at the players that you have on a team, a Todd Clever needs to be free. You have to free him to get the most out of him. A Mike Petrie needs to be free. You have to free Mike. To get the most out of him. Azin Naguanya, Taku Naguanya needs to be free. The other flip side of that culture is when a player makes a decision, we go with it. Agree, disagree, or anything. That is now the decision, and we're going with it. Well, let me ask because I, we talk about freedom and uh, about how he knows how to relate to players, but and I'm going to ask this a little bit of a devil's advocate, but also as somebody who hasn't been around Mike a lot. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say, you know, Mike would be a much better good cop than bad cop. Does he have the bad cop capability in him or is he going to have to bring that guy into his staff? Can he be tough when he needs to be tough? And, and, and can he get into a player that needs that to, to motivate him? Because players are motivated different ways. Can he be the bad guy in a situation if he needs to be? More often than not, he is. His nickname at Xavier is Iron Mike. Kids are absolutely terrified of him at times. Um, uh, and, and we, which we do laugh about it. Uh, but no, he, he, uh, Mike is certainly capable of being, and, and, and I wouldn't look at it as a good cop or bad cop situation. I would look at it as appropriate cop. He does what's appropriate. There are times when a person needs to have their arm put around them and they need to be encouraged. There are times when a person needs to have someone go up to them and say, hey, you know, I, I think that you need to make the effort in practice and you need to make the effort outside of practice to perform the way you want to. And he does that as well. Like, but it's always appropriate. It's not, it's not something where he flies off the handle and completely loses control or or something of that nature. It's never really contrived. It's just, it's kind of like you're dealing with a boss who's fair. And so when he does things, it's, it's fair and appropriate. 
I would call Is it, it weird something. that I envision you as the inappropriate cop in that scenario? That, I was going to say exactly the same thing. That would make, you would, you that would would be, make uh, Bruce would, the inappropriate cop. Be... Well, we will be right back with more on the USA national team, this time with uh, Captain Todd Clever coming right up on Rugga Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. All right, well, we are privileged to have uh, USA captain and a longtime star player, Todd Clever, all the way from Japan, talking to us and Todd thanks a lot for taking the time out of uh, a very busy week for you yeah no no it's always a pleasure it's always good to uh, catch up with you guys back home uh, you've got the Japan top league championship game coming up for uh, Suntory you're playing Panasonic is that right uh, this weekend yep yep that's correct the th- we talked about this at the beginning of the season um, you, you knew you were going to be battling to get playing time because you have a you're pretty deep at back row on Suntory and and the team is playing extremely well I don't I don't think you've really been challenged much all the way through so um how has that season been for you but also the and the team's got to be feeling really confident yeah no I mean we've uh we, we ended the season the regular season on uh, on top of the table uh uh just losing one game to Toshiba but uh, you know, you know, personally, it's been uh, you know, it's definitely been keeping me on my toes with with the depth of the back row. Um, you know, we 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 knew that we were going to be rotated, so everybody's bodies are fresh. You know, going into the postseason, so you know, started a good amount of games, came off the bench, a good amount of games, and and you know, rested a, a, a few games as well. So, you know, we have uh, the likes of you know, Big Donnie Rousseau from from the Springboks and uh, and George Smith, which uh, you know, those two guys are. You know, have have been one of, some of my favorite players. You know, to play against and and to watch playing and and now being teammates with them and and you know sharing time. You know, it's just uh, you know it's just what what you, what you want to do. You know, as as a as an aspiring rugby player and uh, play play at the play with the the world's best. And I consider those guys. You know, you know top class and you know being there. So you know, I've been I've been asked to you know play different positions. Been asked to come off the bench. You know, so it's. Hasn't hasn't been uh, hasn't been ideally of of uh, you know cementing spot, but now uh, now things are you know, coming to an end, you know, and, and I got rolled out of um, the semifinals through through a little bit of a niggling injury, um, but I'm 100% now, so hopefully uh, hopefully get the nod and you know and and uh, hopefully we can uh, get Panasonic uh, a, a good run, you know, we, Panasonic's the old uh, old Sanyo. And uh, you know we played them in uh, in last year's finals as well, so it's uh, it's it's a it's a big uh, big game for us. Todd, how do you feel about the new coaching situation at the USA and the fact that uh, rugby could be fun again? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, now it's it's always fun. You always got to make the fun if it's on the field or off the field or, or or with the guys. So you know that's one of the things. But no, I mean it, it's exciting time for USA rugby, and and um, you know I've t- I've spoken to a few of the players, and and uh, you know I've spoken to you know uh, Tolkien, and and uh, he's excited about it. I mean I've known Tolkien uh, 
a long time, not as long as you, Bruce, but I've known him for quite a long time. We uh, we first worked together in 2000 um, with the under-19s and went to Australia for that tour. And, uh, you know, I was really impressed with him then and, and learned a lot from him and, uh, you know, worked with him for, for you know, since then, you know, off and on. And, and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I've spoken to him. Uh, he, he's committed to the job. And uh, you know it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big deal, and you know the job means a lot to him, and you can tell. And uh, you know he's going to he's going to give it all he has, and you know, and I know the players are, are going to you know do the same, and you know, really really looking forward to uh, to the opportunities and looking forward to turning that corner. Todd, I don't want to you know have you. I'm not going to ask you to bash on your old coach or or anything like that, or air any dirty team laundry. But are you excited about Tolkien and just the team culture that you think he might create in terms of he knows a lot of the guys, has been around a lot of the guys, is going to keep some of the same staff around? And just from what you know of him, are you excited to play under him personally? Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I said, you know, I've worked with him a long time. We, uh, we get along. And, uh, you know, he, he, has, uh, he has some great vision for, for, for how he wants to play the game and and, uh, you know, more importantly, he wants to play the strengths and, you know, USA, you know, we do have strengths and, you know, in, in previous, we haven't really played to him. We've played, uh, you know, different style and, you know, keeping it close and, or keeping it tight. But, uh, you know, you sort of, when you're playing test rugby, you, you, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. And, uh, you know, as long as you don't make those many, uh, those, those crucial errors, then, uh, then you're going to be playing an exciting brand of rugby. And, you know, that, that's what we want to do. And, and uh, I mean, we have world-class players within the squad that, that, uh, that need to be shining and, and guys that are going to become up and coming and, and really, want, uh, really want the exposure and, and, and move forward and, and, and jump up the, the world rankings. Todd, what is the most important thing do you think a, a head coach should bring to a team, to an elite-level team? Um, most important thing. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of things that that you you need to bring in. You know, you know, as as a head coach, your 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 job isn't always hands on with the players, or it's not always. You know, there's different kinds of head coach and jobs and and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of the time is you, the head coach dealing with the captain, dealing with assistant coaches, dealing with the manager, and everybody else does their job, and he just kind of oversees it. And then there's uh, different head coaches that are, you know, part of everything. And, you know, so, so I mean, it would be interesting to, to have him as a head coach and, and what he wants to bring and, and how he wants to, you know, you know, uh, oversee, oversee the, oversee the, um, the team and how it's, how it's run and, you know, be part of it in every which way, um, from backs to forwards to off field to meetings to everything like that. So, I mean, it, it depends on, uh, on, on, where uh, where he's going to go with it? I mean, I've dealt with a lot of different coaches, and and you know, it it just uh, matters what style that that they bring. You have a, a very exciting development coming up in the life of Todd Clever, and and that's the fact that you have uh, a sponsorship with Gilbert Rugby Balls, and you have a relationship going with them. And I just wanted you to tell us possibly what is your Gilbert Rugby Ball Ball sponsorship? What's the you know, what are you trying to do for Gilbert and that kind of thing? It's got to be a better relationship than we have with USA Rugby. So it's really awesome that at least somebody's got something great going on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I signed a contract with uh, with Gilbert. Um, you know, I've been I've been using their products with uh, protective gear, with with pads, and and uh, obviously they make uh, you know the best ball. They use it for the World Cups and things like that. So uh, 
yeah so behind the scenes you know i've I have a few different sponsors and 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 gilbert i i signed with them uh before the world cup and you know and using their product for years and and just uh we came up with an idea of you know having a sort of a signature series ball and uh you know we kind of went through the design book and you know kind of worked with uh different things and and it, and it just came out i think yesterday so about 24 hours so um yeah it's exciting you know and just uh you know it's just part of you know you know being 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 a professional athlete or being having the opportunities to you know give back so i'm really looking forward to you know teaming up with uh you know different organizations and 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 try to get as many of those balls out there to uh to needy teams and and to uh you know players that that you know haven't had the opportunity to you know own a rugby ball or anything that because that's that's the biggest thing i mean if you have a ball and you're playing around with that instead of something else you know the the next uh the next uh you know superstar rugby player is going to be be coming up soon so um i'm just happy to have the opportunity to uh you know have a good relationship with gilbert and we come out with this and and uh you know looking forward to you know giving back to the sport and hopefully growing it and more boys and girls pick it up todd do you remember your first rugby ball and this is two prong question do you remember your first rugby ball where you got it and then the second prong question is a lot of a lot of players in america especially at my club don't necessarily like throwing the tackle suit on that old big lunky <laughs> tackle suit that it's just like yeah dude i'd rather just hit you dude throw those to the side i'd rather just hit the guy and and now they have really like you were saying pretty cool protective gear so if you could tell us about your first rugby ball and and how that kind of influenced you and had you kicking it around the yard and doing that kind of thing and and then you could talk to us about some of the protective gear and some of the interesting products that Gilbert has outside of rugby balls. My first rugby ball, uh, I mean, it was like, like almost everything growing up. It was a handy down. It was, it was my, my older brother's. And, uh, whenever he got a new one, he gave me the old one and, you know, sort of, you know, that's just how I, how, uh, how we grew up. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty beat up. Didn't have much grip and, and, uh, you know, I don't remember much about it. I don't think I have it. I think I, I gave it away as well. Is that how come you have better hands than him? Because it didn't have much grip and you had to concentrate harder? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, so, I mean, always remember that and, you know, playing with my brother when he started, when he first started picking up a sport and in the front yard, passing it and kicking it and doing all sorts of things and, you know, getting old VHS tapes of uh, the old Super 10 games and Super 12 games and, and uh tri nations so you know watching that and trying to do uh what uh good old king carlos was doing and big john alamu and all that stuff so it was uh you know definitely do that and and with gilbert i mean you know they, they with headgear and with uh, i wear that if i'm if i'm stuck in the second row or or uh or their shoulder pads which is uh you know which is a good they have a really good line of that as well uh, Todd, let me ask, because this isn't a new idea that's come up, but recently in the last week, a couple of stories have kind of filtered out from um, the uh, Greg Peters, the uh, the Sanzar chief executive, talking about the possibility of, uh, you know, the Super uh, 14 or Super 15 ex- expanding to to Japan or the United States. Has there been, you know, have you, have you caught much wind of that over there in Japan? And what are your thoughts on hearing that? Not like I said, not like it's the first time it's been bantied about, but uh, you know, what's your reaction and what are they saying in Japan about it? Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've just just pretty much reading the articles and you know talking very very loosely. Um, that's all I've pretty much heard. Uh, so I mean, I don't know much of of how far how much are they willing to invest. But I mean, I, I know that there will be a lot of challenges, like you know the travel of, of of you know having a game in South Africa and you know you're supposed to play six days later with a you know 25 hour travel travel day in front of you to uh to la or wherever they they host the host it and back down to australia for another game so i mean it'd be be interesting i mean obviously it'd be fantastic and, and it'd grow the sport you know immensely in in america um but uh you know to tell you the truth I, i'm i'm not in the discussions too much and i'm just kind of uh you know listening to it and uh you know putting my two cents and what i think but i mean obviously it'd be uh be fantastic to grow that super rugby competition and and having a having a team you know based in in, in japan or or in america todd you know you've you've been playing professional rugby for quite a while now and there are a bunch of guys on the on the u.s national team playing professionally um and we talk about the super rugby going to america or or some other expansion of one of the professional leagues going to america because we'd like to see more americans paid at least a little bit to, to play rugby um is it is it a weird vibe when you are a well-known professional on a national team you know sitting having lunch next to a guy who is essentially paying to play because he's not at work and uh and and he gets a bit of a per diem but but he he's in a different situation is that is that is that difficult or does that never really come um you, you know i've been on both sides of that you know cuz i mean my first uh my, my first assembly with with the with the eagles i was 19 um at, at when I was at university, and uh, it was before I even made the All American team. It was just right after the Under Nineteen World Championships. I, I got called up to to a couple camps, and uh, you know, as as more, you know, people, you just have to know your place. And uh, you know, I knew my place, and my place was to learn from you know Dan Lyle, to learn from Dave Hodges, and to learn you know Kevin Dazelle, you know, just to name a few guys that that. They were professionals, and you know what am I going to get out of them, and, and of sort of how they're training, and how they, how they look at the sport, and how every, everything is is developed that way. So, um, you know, it's it's just part of the pecking order. I mean, you know, you, you do your time, and and hopefully you uh, have that opportunity, and you take your opportunities once you have that little uh, little stint. So, you know, for me, it was it was just sort of you know in, in the steps, but you know. And looking back, you know, if you're if you're talking about you know other guys that that don't have the opportunity to play professional and they're a bit older, but they're still in in the national team, um, yeah, I, I don't know what what's going going on, you know, in their head other than you know, uh, but but I know from on the receiving end, I, I get so much support from my from the teammates that that are you know domestic players that that so they I mean they you know, still in contact with them when I'm overseas and when I'm back and they're asking how things are going. And so, I mean, it's, it, I don't think there's any, like, uh, not a negative issue there. Right. There's no negative issue. It's just, you know, it's just part of, part of how, how things are going. And, and, and it's really tough to get overseas, you know, as you know, with, with the, with the foreigner role. And, you know, I had, I had a lot of, you know, uh, you know, wanting to go overseas over to Europe, but, you know, it, it, I, I couldn't for, for a big chunk of it because of, you know, just foreign rule and having that American passport, no other issue. It's, uh, I mean, I know Paul Emmerich, he, he's had uh, so many difficulties doing it until he got his, that got his passport. And now he has that opportunity to, uh, to shine and, you know, hope, and we're all rooting for him uh, to do well. 
Todd, you speak about how important your relationship is with the players on the team. You also have a very important relationship with your family, your mom, your dad, your brother, and, and how much they've really meant to your career. And, and I actually posted a, uh, I found a picture of you and your mom on, on the internet. And I, I wanted to post an action shot of you in, in, in a, in a thing I started position to succeed. And I posted a picture of you and your mother and you were giving her a kiss before the world cup or, you know, you were still in your suit, but it was, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how important, because I remember they came to your All-American stuff. They go to your games. They go to your brother's games. They really try to support their children in pr probably everything, not just sport. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> – first, firstly, first, um, yeah, no, no, my, my – my uh my family you know they they are they are everything and uh you know they they've you know been with me in the highs and been with me in the lows and you know they're always with me and you know that's one thing that uh you know like go back to even even the ball you know you just have that respect to you know have that handy down and and enjoy what's given to you and what like you know I don't moan about not getting a brand new one but I had my older brother which I really looked up to and still do oh I had his rugby ball and 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 sort of it just it just kind of in in the pathway and i mean my my folks uh you know like like you said they they've traveled all around the world from you know 2003 world cup when you know i wasn't even in the 22 and they they were there just supporting me and you know just all oh, your time will come your time will come just just train hard and 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 keep at it and this is a learning experience and they came uh you know they traveled canada all through the states and then the next world cup comes and in France and they were there every game and, and they're just saying, oh, I told you so, I told you so, keep at it. You're, you're not done. And then they come to, you know, New Zealand, uh, you know, and, and now I'm captain and they remind me to those days of, of, uh, you know, back in 2003 of, you know, how it's like, you know, I'm never going to get a shot. And they, they just reassured just like, you're going to, you got to keep at it. You know, it's, and, and you need, that supporting staff and and my parents played a significant role w in my career and my brother did as well of, of just you know you know you got to back yourself and and there, there's going to be tough times and there's going to you know be times where you, you want to uh take off your boots and not want to put them on again and uh you know I've, I've definitely come across that before but you know you, you look back and you know how lucky you are as an individual of even having the opportunity to, you know, be invited to a camp to, you know, take, take part of it. And so, you know, I just soaked it all in and, and, and just really enjoyed it. And, you know, always, you know, thought back of, you know, what my parents said and, you know, how much they support and how much they go out of the way and, and everything and, and learn those, learn those big life lessons and, and uh, take the next step and, and, and wanting to, you know, keep succeeding and, and not being done. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not satisfied as a player now. I'm, I'm still working to getting better, to, to be better, my, you know, conditioning wise, you know, strength wise, you know, flexibility wise. I mean, the, the list goes on and, you know, you, you're your own, you're, you're I'm, I'm my hard, like hardest critic and, and you, you have to, you know, you know, work very hard and, and don't, don't satisfy if, if you're just the best, uh, um, of that game or best to, uh, in the, in your country, you have to be, you, you want to, you always, there's always someone better than you. And there's always someone that's, uh, you know, on your heels biting at it. So, 
you know, I'm just taking that attitude and taking what they, they've said and, uh, you know, moving forward and, and want to uh, want to come to as close as a complete player as, as possible. Well, Todd, what what is next up for you? Because uh, you're and and if you if you can't talk about it, that's great. But, uh, um, you know, you, your contract is coming up with Suntory. So um, uh, do you know what is next for you or are you still searching? Um, you know, there, there was, there was a very small window of, of searching around and, uh, you know, I, I know that we've been in emails right. back and forth and what's, what's going on now? What, what, what do you have lined up? And I was like, okay, just shuffling through. And, you know, after the world cup, I was, and I, you know, I'm, you know, made it, it's like, you know, my contracts, you know, coming to an end, um, Suntory and I knew um, we had we, we knew that the the relationship was coming to an end. We we knew that, and it coming off of you know which I think is is, is good terms, but uh, you know we, we knew that I wasn't going to resign with them, and, uh, and 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 they're fine with it. I'm fine with it, um, and uh, so made that made that public from my management side, and uh, you know and and offers came in on the table. So you know I I had a, I had a good couple weeks of. Of shuffling through, you know what what I wanted and what's best for for myself, and you know, before you know, you you take anything and everything, but now, um, you know, after you know, somewhat proving myself on on the world stage, uh, you know, I was I was able to be a bit picky and I was able to you know, know what I know what I want and know what I deserve. I mean, because I've been playing all my other contracts, you know, I I don't think looking back. You know, I, I was played, paid, paid for my worth. You know, comparable to the to the other teammates um, from New Zealand to you know South Africa to obviously um, USA. None of us are are paid paid our worth. And then uh, and then even this contract in Japan, I knew I, I came came here with an injury and was going to miss a lot of World Cup. So I mean, it was it was a, it was a contract that that's you know healthy, but you know. I, comparable to you know top internationals with uh you know wallabies and all blacks and top names you know i'm if 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 i'm competing at that same level if i'm you know out 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 playing on on opposition you know why is my why why is my worth a little bit less just because i have a u.s passport so you know that this this next contract finally finally i'm able to you know be able to compete you know financially with 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 top players in the world which which i'm very very happy with so um you know i'm still 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 deciding on 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 two and and uh, i'll limit like my 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 japanese is a bit better than my french so there's it's <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm still going through them but uh you know it's uh no, nothing's a hundred percent done but you know things should be done in the next actually uh couple days so you know you know what todd good for you and good for you for for i mean you you, you should be paid what you're worth and there's nothing wrong with a professional athlete saying just like they do in every other sport i've had a good year I'd like to be paid commensurate to that, and it and it doesn't matter what kind of player, you know, wh- where what city you were born in. The fact is that if you are a, a player who puts fans in seats and people want to want to see them play, and you help a team win, there's nothing wrong with that. So good for you. Thank you. <laughs> then Todd, I mean, I I know we're sort of at a at a big exciting moment then because there's a, um, we're expecting a big uh, announcement from you, and hopefully you know we we expect that to be good news for that. And then as we said, big exciting moment for the USA national team. There's a big step forward with uh, 
with and and a weight a big step forward and to the side with Mike Tolkien, um, which appears to be a very popular choice for you and I and and correct me if I'm wrong, a, a popular choice among the players. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everybody's you know looking forward to that that change and looking forward to you know moving forward. More importantly, and and uh, you know when, once the World Cup uh, you know ended, it was. Uh, you know, guys are still hungry, and 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 rightfully so. You know, we 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 want to we want to show more. We had a, we had a bit of taste of win, and and uh, we we want more of that. Uh, you know, so hopefully uh, hopefully we can get that uh, you know big boat shipped in the right right way, and 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 uh, and, and do our job, and and uh, work hard for for talks, and and uh, you know make things happen. Sounds perfect. Well, Todd Clever, uh, captain of the USA national team, thank you very much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and uh, all the best, guys. Todd, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Well, does it feel like there's uh, something of a new energy and a new era going on in the USA national team? I don't know. It seems like there's a positive energy going on with the new coach and the players seem to like it as well. Uh, That's the message from this show, number 81 of Rugged Matrix America. We'll be talking D1A College next time for sure, uh, but uh, we wanted to jump in on this as soon as we could. So for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, and thanks to Mike Tolkien and Todd Clever for for, uh, checking in with us, this is Alex Gall from RugbyMag.com reminding you, check out Rugged Matrix America on RuggedMatrix.com and also on RugbyMag.com. Check out the show on iTunes. And thanks for listening to Rugga Matrix America.